We are back Woo! with season three of Pop and Play. I'm really good at wooing, actually. You, you're like, you're, you come in so strong with the woos. I do. I love it. So we have a new season of Pop and Play. Season three. I can't believe we've made now three seasons I of the show. I know. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> also, we're sorry. Uh, <laughs> If you're just joining us uh, in this podcast, uh, we've been talking about pop culture. Pop and Play is about pop culture. It's about play. It's about the ways in which uh, people encounter and explore and experience media in all its various forms. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you knew I was going to pass to you at the end of that. <laughs> so the theme, okay. So the theme of this season is intergenerational play. Right. And do you want to talk about why we chose to do something on intergenerational play? I mean, I think that over the past two seasons, as we have talked about different forms of popular culture, uh, as we've encountered and, and kind of played with different media together, one thing that keeps coming back is the way in which different people experience these media at different times of their lives or at different, you know, different times of history as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm actually reminded of a nerd thing. Okay, sorry, I'm just going to... Talk about it, we could cut it. Okay. (laughs) I do this podcast all about you talking about nerdy things. (laughs) It just reminded me of this article I read by Alison Gopnik, and she's not somebody that I always agree with, but she wrote this article about intergenerational play, and it was just like with really young kids. So she talked about how there was this point like where three-year-olds were really creative and they didn't necessarily have like a structure for doing everything, but they were creative in their play. And she found that as the years went by and as kids got older, they kind of started to not lose a sense of creativity, but it started to kind of like diminish, like we start to build like a schematic of how we're going to do things. Um, And she found that when the three-year-olds and the five-year-olds kind of interacted together and then when the three, five, seven-year-olds yeah. interacted together, that there was something different and new that was happening for everybody. Right. That um, it wasn't just the three-year-olds that benefited from playing with older kids and it wasn't the older kids, yeah, yeah. but, but the older kids also benefited from playing with younger kids. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's this idea that in intergenerational play, there's something that older people can learn from younger people and vice versa. That doesn't, It's not like unidirectional, but it's like everybody kind of benefits in that space. So we looked for that question, right? Like where does intergenerational play happen and how is it benefiting everybody that's involved? Yeah, and what are the different kinds of artifacts or media or stories um, that this kind of intergenerational play can kind of emerge from? So this season, we have a lot of different topics that span a lot of different generations. So we have skateboarding, we have fashion, Nathan's favorite topic. I'm going to give you so much advice on fashion. Uh-huh. Uh, it's going to be amazing to see what happens this summer when you all walk out on. Yeah, the hold street. on to your seats. Hold on to your cargo, cargo shorts. Pants. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk comic books, detective stories. We're coming back to Star Wars again. I, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to keep talking Star Wars until we until yeah. we really solve this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, join us for season three. Uh, come for Haney's insightful, thoughtful commentary, pulling in quotes, pulling in theories and bringing it all together. Uh, and stay for me to say, I like video games. Video games are fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's pop and play. Welcome to another episode of Pop and Play. Uh, this season, we are talking about uh, intergenerational play, right? Yes. What is intergenerational play? Well, okay. 
Instead of defining intergenerational、mm. play just yet, sure, yeah. Maybe I will harken back to a previous season and、uh. talk about how this idea even came to be. Previously on Pop, Pop Play, <laughs> I feel like there needs to be some the the beep from twenty four beep beep. Oh my beep. god, you just dated your pop culture knowledge. I do what that means <laughs> to twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> last season on Pop and Play, we had the illustrious Anne Dyson、yes. on our episode, and I remember that one. We were talking about He Man, right? Yes, yeah. We were yeah. talking about He Man. We were talking about superheroes and、uh, how superheroes relate to children's play and what they bring to the classroom. Yeah. And one of the things that she said, which I think resonated with us for many, many months afterwards, is how she talks about how every generation has a Spider-Man, <laughs> right? And yeah. That yeah. The and every generation thinks their Spider-Man is the best, the and best. they have、yeah. attachments to it, right? I, I love that. I loved that quote. That was such a great quote. Every Spider-Man,、uh, every generation thinks their Spider-Man is the best.、Uh-huh. <laughs> so, which ine- inevitably, I have to ask the question. Oh no! I knew you were going to ask me that. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> I have to ask the question. What's your favorite Spider-Man? Oh, I don't have a favorite Spider-Man. I just have、um, uh, whatever generation Zendaya was in. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favorite Spider-Man. Oh, what's his name? Her、Tom、boyfriend,、Holland. yes, yeah, Tom、uh-huh. Holland. Okay, best okay. Spider-Man only by association to Zendaya. I mean, that's that's a fair <laughs> way to to make this to make this、uh, judgment to、uh-huh. my, in my mind. What、so. about you? I mean, it's, it's got to be Toby. It's got to be Toby McGuire. I know you're going to say that、yeah. for some reason. Be- I don't know why. Because it goes with the quote. <laughs> <laughs> It was my generation Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. So in, in any case,、uh, this idea of the ways in which kind of、uh, multiple generations interact、uh, with media certainly has been a topic we've been discussing since the beginning of this podcast. But there is something kind of interesting about superheroes in particular and comics in particular because they have the stories that they tell have existed for so long. Different generations get a chance to come at the same stories or come at the same characters, and then、mm-hmm. kind of reinterpret them or, or redefine them in, in all sorts of different ways,、um, and also even just kind of interact around these artifacts or around these these、mm-hmm. characters.、Mm-hmm. I would say for me too that because these comics kind of resurface and every generation kind of has a different uptake of it, and then it. Gains popularity and all of that. I think then it brings new generations of people, despite age, into this universe. Yeah. I guess. And so I think about that because I wasn't like a really big comics person when I was younger. But then as I got older and everybody's into these things,、hmm. then of course I have FOMO, so I want to be into it too. <laughs> so that's how I kind of got engaged in it. So you didn't. You Enter didn't. Zendaya. And through <laughs> primarily Zendaya, yeah, fair. Did you so? Did you not really encounter or or explore comics when you were younger? Okay, so I actually prepared for this episode because I didn't want to look stupid. Because I feel like up until now I've been like a late comer to comics and、yeah. superheroes in the Marvel universe. Okay,、um, only because. I got into it because the kids that I did research with right,、yeah. were really into it, and in order for me to understand anything that they're talking about, I had to really get myself prepared and into it and into the conversation. And so that's sort of how I entered it. So then I was thinking about how I thought about comics when I was younger. So I did think of one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. I see in your notebook so. a picture you've drawn, I think, of yourself. Not oh, it's me. Cat. It's a middle-aged Sorry. lady. Well, I'm looking at it upside down and across the way. I can't tell. I, but now I see who it is. It's Kathy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Kathy. So I looked up Kathy um, online today. <laughs> I remember and Kathy. basically, yeah. So she was this comic that came out in the paper like every day or every week or every weekend. I don't know how often it was coming. Yeah, it was like the Sunday the Sunday funny yeah. section, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that is what I associate comics with. Yeah. I associate comics with the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember being really enamored by this Kathy comic. And I don't know why, because she talks about it in her blog or whatever in the about us, about me part, where she says, I just wanted to start this comic for women like me. And she's just like talking about issues that adult women go through. And I didn't see any of that. And she also said, I couldn't really draw. And it was very clear <laughs> yeah, no, from it's... her first comic. <laughs> she couldn't draw. But I think she got better at it. But I, something about it was yeah. really compelling to me because, I mean, I was like six Right. And I'm like reading these comics that probably don't make any sense to right. me because she's like talking about like, oh, boo, I'm 26. He didn't call me back. <laughs> and I don't know if he's going to call me. And I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, yeah, totally. But I just loved it. I love the ordinariness of it. Totally. And yeah. like just the, I guess I like the aesthetics. We always, my dad always pulled out the the funny section and, and gave it to us to, to look at. Yeah. So I remember that too. Yeah. I, I have a, I also didn't really get in, into, and I wouldn't even say I'm even really now, but I didn't get into comics till till later in life. But I always felt with comics that they were like something I wanted to get involved in, but it was just too big mm. to, to get into it, to even know where to start. And so yeah. um, it wasn't until I had disposable income, <laughs> you know, that I was able to start kind of dipping my toes in a little bit. Oh, so you invested in comics. No, certainly not. I'll go to, uh, I'll go to Comic-Con now with my kids and stuff. And you can go to some of the, like the comic stands where you can buy comics and you can dig through the old ones. And there's like, just, they printed so many of these things Mm -hmm. during that, during that era that like, they're just not worth, they're not worth anything. They're worth, you know, like $2 now. So they haven't really appreciated very much. Some Mm -hmm. of the ones from that era. I see. But Speaking of your kids, are they into comics? They sometimes, they're into comics in other ways as a little bit. Like they, uh, my daughter for a little while was really liking um, uh, My Little Pony comics, Mm -hmm. which are really funny and like really beautifully drawn. Um, And then uh, um, both of them have been into graphic novels. So they'll they'll like things like Dogman, Yeah. various other graphic novels too. Okay, I do have a question for you related mm-hmm. to graphic novels. Yeah. What is the distinction or what is the line between a graphic novel and a comic? Is there a line? I'm sure somebody who hosts a podcast about pop culture and play should know the answer to yeah, that question. Yeah, what is the answer to that question? I, I don't know. I think to my mind, it's something about kind of a, 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 an extended story. So it's a comic in the sense that it has illustrations, um, you know, and, and the kind of typical thing you might imagine in a, in a comic book, but a, but a graphic novel is longer. Okay. <laughs> it's the simplest way that I can think of it. I don't know if that's true. Mm. I don't know if that's an official definition, mm. but I do know, like I have had, I've gotten graphic novels that are like, you know, pretty extensive, one long story. And then I've yeah. gotten other graphic novels that are 
individual episodes that were released as individual comments that have now been kind of collated into one volume. Yeah, like a collection. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't know if there's a re- if you call those things something different or if they're all the same. I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking about that or ta- thinking about it in my mind right now because I do really like graphic novels. And I like graphic novels that are kind of not like Kathy comic style, you know, but that are like memoirs or things about yeah. life or how people, I find it really interesting just how people kind of share and curate and talk about their lives beyond like just a you know, novel, 500 page novel that I have to read. Yeah, uh, I was like, I guess I could say I'm really into comics now, but I feel like if I say comics, people don't think about a graphic novel. There's some kind of distinction there. You could say I'm into graphic novels. You could <laughs> is say that it, what it is? Is it, it really, high and low culture? Say it's sophisticated, <laughs> like I mean, there there is something about that high low culture yeah, thing going sure. on here, right? For sure. Uh, so yeah, and you're and you're feeling it whenever you say it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I mean, should we just start calling everything comics? Call it all comics. Yeah, I know. Forget the, multimodal research. <laughs> Let's just call it comics. It's all comics. <laughs> so. I'm excited to talk to our guest today. Uh, our guest is just absolutely brilliant about many of the different topics we've just discussed. He's an incredible artist, incredible writer, brilliant scholar. Um, and he writes about and he thinks a lot about, um, you know, not just comics and the ways in which uh, visuals and text can kind of come together to kind of create new meaning for us to, to digest and explore. Um, but also he thinks a lot about the ways in which we encounter and explore comics and superheroes across generations. So this should be uh, the exact right person to be talking to about this topic. All right. So. Uh, today, we are joined uh, by the brilliant John Jennings. John is a writer, he's an artist, he's a curator, he's a scholar, he's won multiple Hugo Awards, you got a best-selling book, you're a Harvard Fellow, a professor of media and cultural studies at the University of California, Riverside. Uh, you also are the director of the Abrams Comic Arts imprint Megascope, which publishes all sorts of really exciting graphic novels focused on the experiences of people of color. And if that wasn't enough, John, You've also just created with Valentin Delandro, Ghostlight, a new Marvel superhero. And the first issue comes out uh, February 2nd. Woo! <laughs> yeah, woo! Well, thank you. It's all, all that's true except for the one thing. Which, which, what did I get wrong? Uh, not multiple Hugos. Multiple, I, I have two eyes and only one Hugo. Oh, sorry. Sh- oh John. That's disappointing. That's so disappointing. I, I mean, let's just say we just put it out into the universe that at the time just, of this comes out, more. there will be another one. <laughs> You're gonna manifest. Yeah. Manifest. Yeah, exactly. like, uh, let's work. Let's work harder. You know what I'm saying? Well, so to warm us up, we like to play a game. Um, yeah. Haney, can you explain? Sure. <laughs> I promise you, it's painless. Painless. I think okay. it, it is very painless. It's basically a lightning round of questions to get uh, us kind cool. of to get us sort of like into the topic or into the idea that we're talking about today. And I have to say, I'm going to have to be full disclosure. I just had a conversation with Nathan about how when I think of comics, I think of Kathy, the comic strip that showed up <laughs> in my newspaper when I was young. OK, so that's like my um attachment to comics. And I feel like my um, I started to get into more comics as I started to hang out with a lot of young kids because that's what my research is about. And they're like so into it and just understanding what they're talking about, what they're doing has kind of led me down a comics road. 
Um, so we're going to ask you a series of questions and you just have to answer. It's kind of like an either or sort of thing or pick your favorite or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Great. Nathan, you want to start with the classic question? Yeah, let's start with the classic. Uh, mm -hmm. Flight or invisibility? Ah, <laughs> or, you know, if you want to throw in something like super strength, that's fine, too. Well, no, that's good. No, I want, to, I, want to, I want to play by the rules. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, would, I would say uh, I would say flight because I'm black and American. I'm already partially invisible anyway. Oh, okay. yes. They wrote so a whole deep. book about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> all right here's here's a here's a less a less dramatic one well i don't know maybe not uh who who played batman the best this could be a very I, controversial one yeah um my my favorite bat you know it's, it's hard i mean because i i really like we really like Michael Keaton, you know a lot but then mm -hmm. again i also like the fact that val kilmer did a great impersonation of val of, of Michael Keaton as his yeah, yeah, right. I don't know if people that knew what they did, but he was actually just he just became Michael Keaton. <laughs> it's an interesting approach. I'm probably gonna have to. I'm probably gonna go with Michael Keaton actually because I, I like certain aspects of all of them. But you know, he was really good. He was yeah. a lot better than people thought he was gonna be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. All right. All right. Well, I didn't actually know if you were uh, contractually allowed to, to answer a question about Batman, but uh, so let's go. Let's go over to Spider Man. Who's your favorite Spider Man villain? Oh, that's a good question, man. You know, when I was a kid, it was the Hobgoblin. Really liked the Hobgoblin mm -hmm. a lot because I liked the fact that he was like a legacy villain, and I think that he actually was even more terrifying in some ways than the Green Goblin. You know, I'm torn between him and like Doc Ock. I always like Doc yeah. Ock too, but I think the Hobgoblin man, that, that dude was like, because like, who is he? And you know, <laughs> was so cool. You know, yeah, yeah I think mean, Hobgoblin. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, how about Cyclops, Pop or Nop? <laughs> I mean, I always he's always he's one of my favorite X Men. Is really? You know? oh, yeah, nice. I was I was like, I you know what it was because. When I first started reading, I, I'm a, I came late to the X-Men and I was always a big Greek mythology fan. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. And I, was, I always liked him because he, in some ways, uh, now I read him as kind of like a, as kind of a black character because he actually had to always restrain himself and he couldn't uh, really be himself. So there was a lot of code switching he had to do yeah. just because his power source is so powerful, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Mm. I, I, think, I love much. the answers to your questions because I feel like it's like another layer of theoretical thought that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is actually a more complicated question than I thought it was. They're not simple questions. I mean, for, I mean, you know, I, I never really cared for Wolverine that much. I thought yeah. he was, he's just a frat boy with unbreakable bones. You know, <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, dude, yeah. chill. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> All right, who, who wins the science fair? Is this uh, Tony Stark? Is it Shuri? Is it somebody else? Reed Richards, maybe. I mean, honestly, according to stats, it's supposed to be Lu Lunella Lafayette, man, Moon Girl. Ah. Moon Girl. Moon Girl is supposed to be like the smartest character in the Marvel Universe now. Wow. You know? So, yeah, I know. So I'm like Lunella. Yeah, I, I like that you. I like that you have like the the Bible with the stats in it. You're like, well, <laughs> I can answer this well. quantitatively, actually. <laughs> Uh, I love it. That was perfect. That, that's it. That's popping up. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, uh, our toddler is home, so we hear like screaming and crashing in the other room. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> he's like, he's like, 
he's like perfect toddler. Like he's really good at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I was waiting for what perfect toddler meant, he's but I love it. <laughs> yeah, he has the, oh, yeah, he's he's really serious about his about his uh, toddling, you know, his vocation, toddling. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Well, I mean, so, you know, as I said uh, before, when we were talking, we just kind of wanted to talk with you a little bit about your experiences with comics, uh, both as a creator, but also as somebody who's a huge fan of, of comics. Um, can you maybe just tell us kind of how you got started into comics? Uh, that's my mom's fault. <laughs> my mom's fault. Yeah, because, you know, she's always trying to teach me stuff, you know, that dog it. She wants that woman <laughs> always trying to teach me how to read and be a good person. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so no, but seriously though, like I started reading, um, I started reading uh, comics because my mom got me like I think it was like Mighty Thor, parts of Spider Man, the Superman, you know. But I was a really big fan of like yeah. folklore, like you know, like Norse mythology yeah. and like Greek mythology and Egyptian mythology. You know, I don't know, it just fascinated me, like the stories from other countries, you know. And um, I just fell into that super early. So I think I saw the connections between like something like the mighty Thor and like, you know, the Thor from actual Norse mythology. And so, you know, I, and that's what kind of got me hooked. And then after that, man, I, I just started to read anything that looked like a comic book from like, I mean, I used to read hot stuff and Casper. Yeah. I used to read like Archie comics, mm. or anything that looked like a comic book. You know, I used to trick my mom and he let me read heavy metal. Cause she didn't know it was like not for kids. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And she was like, oh, it's a comic book. I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Great comic book. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, but that was that was how I started reading it. And then my uh, my uncle, uh, my Uncle Willie, God rest him, was, um, at the time he was a really, he was really into art at the time. And so he could actually like draw anything that was in front of him. Mm-hmm. And so I was introduced to my second favorite superhero, Spider-Man, through Ross Andrews' Spider-Man. And so my, my, my uncle could draw Spider-Man just like him. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. Then he said, I'm tired. I want you to do this yourself. And I ain't got time for it right now. I was like, I'll, I'll show you. And that's how I started drawing pretty much, actually, too. You know, I mean, I was already drawing. But I was like, I'm really going to draw my own Spider-Man now because you're not going to talk to me like that tired person. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you, so you said Spider-Man was your second favorite. Did you already tell us who were your first favorite? No, 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 no. It's Daredevil. Everybody knows that. Right? <laughs> That's great. So basically it was because your uncle got sick of drawing for you that, <laughs> a little bit. that you do what you yeah, do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like, I mean, first I have to acknowledge your mother for introducing you to Mighty Thor because I feel like that's all, that's what we want to do with teachers too, right? Is to yeah. find a thing that the kid is really interested in and then try to make a connection. And I think that's a really sophisticated move that she made, which I don't know. I feel like that's like a great teaching moment. It was, it is. Yeah. And she, she's, um, my mom, who, you know, she's still like a massive fan of anything action oriented. Mm-hmm. Anything horrible. So pretty much all the like like crazy pop culture stuff I'm into is her fault. And then, you know, secondly, I think it was librarians that I knew. Right. Mm-hmm. So like Mrs. Barry, I don't know if she's still with us or not, but Miss Barry, she worked at the school library, was such a good librarian because she would be she would pay attention to what we were into and give us things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do do you I mean, your your life is so wrapped up in in 
comics these days, I know, and among among other things. But you know, you're 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 in that you're in that space. I wonder, do you play with comics in a in a similar way as you as you did as a as a kid, or is it all is it all business now? You know, I try for to be the same. You know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I never I never would have imagined that I would be doing as much comics work as I am right now. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's a uh, it's a blessing actually. You know, it's something that I want to do all my life and. It only took me 40 years to accomplish it. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, it's not a long time. Fast. Fast, exactly. So, um, <clears throat> you know, so there's still a lot of play. I think it's mostly in my independent space, though. You know, my, uh, one of my favorite hot reasons is so crazy. So you're familiar with public domain superheroes, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds and hundreds of, co- yeah. of superheroes in the public domain for whatever reason. So <clears throat> there are different archives out there. So... I will actually go and dig through these archives and redesign yeah. other delayed characters for fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually fun. And I would pretend like, um, I pretend like they uh, never stopped being published, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, so what if, uh, I don't know, what if, what if the Black Terror, you know, that's a, a public domain character. What, what if like, he actually got a chance to have a comic in like the 1980s or 1990s. And actually he probably did because he's pretty popular. Right, so I was just kind of play around with them and say, okay, well, this is my '90s version of this character. Yeah. You know, that kind of—it's relaxing. And then some of the stuff it takes off. Actually, there's a lot of business now. I mean, from because right now, all the hats that can be worn in comics, I'm probably wearing all the hats. But you know, there's because I'm, I'm editing, I'm, I'm writing, I'm drawing, putting together creative teams. Uh, it's it's um it's fun, but it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. and it's uh, yeah. Yeah, we talk we talk about that some in our in our. Um... Actually, on this podcast, we've talked a little bit about the ways in which kind of work and play get kind of uh, so how sometimes we try to keep those worlds separate or the or what happens when we try to kind of find ways of of merging those spaces or of playing within it within spaces that we might usually consider work or. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, too, is that <clears throat> people people sometimes will call me a, a workaholic, right, which I don't I don't like that, actually. Um, because it pathologizes my passion for something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is that's like, no, I'm not sick, actually. I, I'm just very, very, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really like how you phrased it, though, because when you were talking about remixing public domains, I, you were talking about how sometimes it leads to something, sometimes it doesn't. It's just relaxing. It's something that I really enjoy doing. And I think that, you know, I think some some of the things that we've tried to talk about in the last few seasons is how play can be really productive, right? It doesn't right. have to necessarily have an intention from the get-go. It could be something that's fun and enjoyable and interesting. And I think the nice thing about that is it could lead to a product that could be out there, but can also just be something that is fulfilling in and of itself, right? And I think mm-hmm. you demonstrate mm-hmm. that, which is really cool. No, I think, I, well, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, it reminds me, it reminds me of like crate digging. You know, uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm not a DJ, you know, yeah, yeah. but it's that same kind of idea. What's mm-hmm. interesting about the public domain is that it's a, it's for the most part, a, a static data set, you know, it, right. does, it doesn't get added to a lot, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so it's really cool uh, to see how other people remix it too. Like, it really is like, like DJing to me. I've heard you talk about this, uh, this, uh, this idea of kind of remix and hip hop and the way in which it intersects with with comics um, before. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe say a little bit more about that? Like, how, how do you think about 
this idea of remix or this idea of taking existing pieces and finding ways to sort of reuse them or turn them into new things? I think that's, I think that's all we do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you probably seen like uh, this, this documentary, Everything's a Remix, you know? Uh, it's on YouTube in particular, so it's, but it's one documentary. And it's looking at like how one thing, you know, either is like, you know, as a pastiche of something else or it's a remix of something else. And from stuff like, say, um, what's his name's uh, cut-ups? What was his name? Uh, he uh, did the cut-ups. Oh, the, uh, the, the artist. Burroughs. Yeah. We made Burroughs, right? Yeah. So he would do these things where he would actually like, you know, take two books and put them side by side and then cut across and then make something. That's how we got the word heavy metal, I think, actually. Mm. Um, it's from like a cut-up. And, um, you know, and so, you know, <clears throat> there was this idea of like finding connections and actually you make some things, approximating things is something that's actually kind of super Afrocentric actually too, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have someone like, um, you know, the great Greg Tate, you know, God Resto, who said, um, you know, that, that DJing is, is, uh, is ancestor worship, you know, mm-hmm. because essentially what you're doing is like you're juxtaposing different time frames, you know, different the artifacts from different times or from different genres mm. and he's through equivalence, making them the same. Right. And, um, I think comics do that too, because think about it. I mean, if you read a comic, each panel is a slice of time. So you can actually time travel. You can have the first panel be in the 1800s, second parent be in the 1960s. You can draw a third one to be in the 2050s, whatever. Right. And by doing so, you're making like this patchwork quilt of like just experience. So I can see the connections between the two. Then, of course, I used to teach a, cl- a class where I used to talk about this idea of the CJ, right? Someone who sees and remixes, right? So it's, it's that's that kind of idea where you're looking at things and, and you're kind of like sampling them through this, this scopophilic instinct. <laughs> and you're like, you're sampling things, right? And, and with your eyes. And then you're remixing them, right? And so even though people are losing their doggone minds over this AI thing, I'm like, well, that's kind of what we do too, right? <laughs> it's like we make things that are approximations of things and styles, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I know that's a long-winded answer to your question, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of overlap, you know? And I think there's a reason why the Wu-Tang Clan have these comic book nicknames, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Tony Starks and, you know, but, you know, Johnny Blaze, you know, that stuff like that, right? When they have, it's a similar kind of like making of another identity, right? Mm-hmm. Slipping into another skin through the medium, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I, I'm wondering, I want to ask you a little bit about your <clears throat> sort of building on this. I want to ask you a little bit about your process. S- since you just spent some time thinking about new characters, um, specifically a new character with Marvel, but he, I know like you were saying before, you kind of are doing this all the time. I'm wondering, you know, we, I mentioned before that, that comics, one of the kind of unique things about comics is the fact that it, the story, the character, these things kind of exist across time in ways that uh, I think it's, it's really vivid, uh, more so than some other p- potentially uh, stories. I mean, of course, all stories kind of exist across time, right? But there's something really vivid about these, and they keep coming back mm-hmm. as being pop culture over and over again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering how you think about, or do you think about, you know, the, the previous generations, the previous iterations, um, all of those things as you're kind of engaging in this creative process of making something new or... I, I don't know, this, this really uh, critical nostalgia that's connected to comics. You know, yeah. it's, it's like nostalgia is a huge part of it. You know, saying yeah. we want to get back to those heroes of yesteryear, right? And the other thing is really cool. And that, that speaks to, sometimes it's very problematic too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I mean, the superhero is a problematic genre. I mean, I love it. 
right? You know, we should probably work things out before we go around and beating up people, right? <laughs> Particularly <laughs> people who, you look at Batman, people, people who have mental illnesses, I don't think we should probably beat them up. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a different podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so part of the, um, <clears throat> part of the attraction, I think, to, again, to like the, um, and this is something that, again, there's a sense of play. If you go to some of those public domain sites, right, um, people have these like prompts, like, okay, create the Avengers, right, with all public domain characters, right? And so you have to find power sets and like, right. Because you have a certain amount of power sets, you know, it's only like a certain number, right? And it's like sometimes you create a new one, but for the most part, all the power sets are already done. You look at super strength, you have mental capabilities, can they throw fire? I don't know. They shrink, you know, that kind of thing. All these power sets are out there, you know, and you remix them, you kind of mix them up and stuff like that. So that's been really cool. Now, for something like Ghostlight, um, you talk about digging through the crates. I mean, me and my friend Angelique Roche are working on a book right now called um, My Superhero is Black, and it's going to be coming out. Hopefully on time <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from Simon and, uh, from Simon and Schuster and Marvel, and it's a it's a rough guide to the history of their black characters from 1950 mm-hmm. to current day, right? So I came across this character, and I remember reading this book too when I was a kid. I think I probably read a reprint of it, 1969. Uh, this character called Albie Harper, that was a black physicist who helps the Silver Surfer, and he literally sacrifices his life to save the world, right? And then the Silver Surfer puts this cosmic flame on his grave to mark him as a hero forever, for as long as Earth exists. It's hyperbolic Stanley, you shall be a hero forever. Yeah. You know? Right? And I'm thinking, like, yo, and this is in the middle of like the George Floyd protests, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, Chadwick Boseman's death, uh, you know, so much violence against like, you know, the black body as a corpus, right? And then um, I recently lost my sister, you know, a heart attack. Uh, and I was just thinking about like, it was just, uh, it's a lot of death, man. Yeah. And I was like, why is this brother in the ground still? Mm-hmm. So I literally dug him up. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a knowledge of the past. It was a knowledge of like the nostalgia, you know, because some yeah. people push back against these legacy characters, right? I've noticed that there's been some kind of, why is Miss Mar- Marvel Pakistani and no, we got how many Spider Man do we have to have? We got a Spider Gwen, a Ghost Spider, actually, like you call it now. But also, uh, like you know, Miles Morales and all this stuff. I just want one. I just wanted to be this one dude. Right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but no, it's just that's uh, it's not gonna happen, man. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah. So that's I think it's super important. But it's also like you have to have some wiggle room around you know the, the history of things. And I'm really kind of. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited that Marvel's decided to let me do that, you know, because that's a, that's a brand new black superhero that they didn't have, that they kind of already had, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so was, yeah. Anyway, sorry. That was felt like a very long no, that stop. Was, that was, that was, <laughs> you, you know, what's great about it. You, you covered so much territory there as, as you always do in your, in your thoughtful answers. And, and it, and it really got to one of the, the questions that, that Haney and I've been kind of talking about with this particular topic was the way in which, you know, history intersects with this thing that you name, you know, nostalgia and the sort mm-hmm. of ways in which that can be both um, freeing and exciting and joyful and also toxic and ugly and, and, and you know, problematic yeah. in our society. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just thinking about how, how you can use history as, as a play space mm-hmm. right, and explore it in different, 
you know, you even talked about exploring a character at different eras. Like, what does this one look like in the 90s, right? But then playing with it in the future, playing with it now. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I think that superheroes lend itself, because you kind of mentioned it, uh, Nathan, that, you know, these characters, uh, they have, if they're well-designed, you know, I think a lot of the early characters was, you know, these are really smart people who come up with these characters. But they're trying to, they had no choice. They were trying to feed themselves, right? And, mm-hmm. and so but, yeah. but what they did is they created, like, um, a really, really interesting amalgam, you know, uh, the way that we think about American comics. I mean, the superhero is, like, so problematic, but also it sticks with us because it's a reification of you know, very simple ideas, you know, mm-hmm. and they're primal images. Superman, you know, you know, with his chest, you know, with the super, you know, the crest or whatever, it's it, it, it translates, right? It's, it's no different than say creating like Apollo or like you know um, Demeter or, or, or Hades or whatever, right? Yeah. It's the same process, right? It's the same process. What happens is like you said, oh, well, we're gonna sell it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, because you know we got to pay to the other the, the big guy, which is you know capitalism. That's our religion. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so it's that process that's happening constantly. I mean, I find that to me, I'm, that's making me think of something too, because I um, just realized that I actually have a book in my house. It's actually called Shattered, the Asian American Comics Anthology. And it was an Asian American author, I think, just like redoing and rethinking superheroes um, with, you know, a, the Asian American identity and community. And I find it, it was, what? you know, I found it as an adult. Yes. But um I just realized that I never thought that was actually possible, right? And I think it is really important to think back historically. And I think what I hear you saying is how you can deconstruct some of those ideas and kind of like, re, you know, we're talking about remixing, like remix history, yeah. right? So that now yes. we're in a present and a future that is actually different and more exciting. And, you know, I think I think that's really cool. It's like an interesting direction. And I, it's it's so fun to talk to you as being someone who's kind of leading that. Well, I mean, I think I'm, well, I really, first of all, thank you for that. That's really kind. Um, <laughs> no, but I think, uh, you know, there have been some really great uh, folk. I mean, I can, you know, like stuff like Watchmen for us. Yeah, sure, right. So, you know, the Watchmen is a deconstruction. It's like probably one of the yeah. greatest deconstruction superhero mythos, right? Totally. But, so powerful, too. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's also a alternative history story, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It takes place in an alternative universe, so to speak, right? Where superheroes actually exist, and they posit uh, that you know the government would control them, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, and then it, and it just sets up these really, really interesting ideas about like, yeah, if we really did have these people running around, what would they be like? You mm-hmm. know, like, how would they really affect history? Well, so. You know, I guess this is a, a big question, but I want to I want to ask it as kind of a closing question. Um, is where where do you want to see comics go next? What are you excited by? What are you hopeful for? What are you curious about? That's a great question. I um, hmm. I mean, because there's such a, so much potential that's still being you know imagined with the comics, right? I mean, we just not get to the point where people understand that. Oh, guess what? You can make other types of comics besides superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I love me a good superhero, but you know, by you know, I'm I'm publishing like comics about history and about yeah. you know yeah. other worlds and like you know nonfiction comics and stuff like that. You know, we, we need all these different things. We want to normalize comics in the space. So I think that's one thing I'm excited about that we get to see comics about everything. You know, 
Um, because the media is kind of like saying, oh, talk shows are just for cooking shows. You know, that's ridiculous, right? So yeah. so why do we limit comics as a medium? So I want to see that explored. But, yeah. No. I, I mean, I love that idea. It was just the multi-genre comic, right? Like I think about, like I have a cookbook, a Korean cookbook that's a comic. Yeah. I just yes. realized that comics are a part of my life when all, I didn't yeah. think it was. Um, but yeah, just like how it's like so interesting and so different and I just like it. And I thought about like even the genre of cookbooks, right? How cookbooks have turned into something more than just like recipes written down in a spiral bound book, right? It's like memoirs and storytelling and, you know, comics. I mean, mean, shoot. I mean, what is a recipe? It's just, it's a story with a, with a deliverable, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, here's a story. I said, Ooh, that tastes that story tastes good. <laughs> like, that's, you need some. That might, some that might be a good story with a different storyteller, perhaps. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, seriously, if you think about it, like, yeah, the comics are all over the place. And um, it's pretty ubiquitous when you think about it, but we don't really, you know, we, we put them in this little box, this little panel, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And we won't let them grow. So I think, yeah, I think that was what I'm, one of the things I'm really excited about. So, Doing something like CamCon, for instance, where you get to see like all these African American creators making comics. It just Cam had never seen that many people in this in their space before, mm-hmm. ever. Right? And they've got some of the top artists in there, you know. So there's a power there that we should definitely tap into, particularly for education, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, John, thank you so much for for hanging out with us today and your and your crazy busy schedule. You're you're so delightful to talk to. Every time we have a conversation, I feel like I learn all sorts of new things. I come to new understandings of things I thought I might have known, and I'm always inspired. Uh, so I really appreciate you making time to hang out with us on Pop and Play. Oh man, it was it was an honor. Seriously, y'all are awesome. You know, thank you for letting me like just go off on crazy like uh, you know. Diatribes. Yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot, and I was—I've been very self-reflective on this episode. <laughs> um, I feel like we sh- okay. We have to end with this. We usually ask our guests at the end to tell us what's popping, and basically that just means what's out there that you're excited about in pop culture that you want people to know about that is kind of popping or happening in your life. Oh man! Well, I think the first thing is like people should definitely check out Megascope. My, yeah. my publishing imprint with Abrams. Uh, we're doing some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just published a book about Queenie, uh, which is Stephanie St. Clair's nickname. She was a, a gangster who ran Harlem back in the day. She was Bobby Johnson's mentor. You know, mm-hmm. so we just put that out. See? It's a comic book. But it's nice. also an issue book. And then, of course, if you're a literature teacher, guess what? We're putting out an Afrofuturist version of the Counter Monte Cristo Oh, that's nice. so cool. It's almost 200 years after the polar ice caps melt. So it's still a pirate story. It's, it's water everywhere, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, it's cool. It's such a beautiful book. But other things like um, I'm, cool. I, I really am into, I want to check out um, Jordan Peele's new podcast. I, I listened to the first three episodes of it. Uh, I've heard, you know, I, I've heard it was like just the rest of it was terrifying. It's called um, Quiet Part Loud. I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm super excited about, uh, I forget who's writing this, but Lee Bermejo's new book, uh, Vicious Circle, Vicious, I think it's called Vicious Cycle, hmm. about these time-traveling assassins. They're trying to like, yeah, it sounds dope. But you know, you've seen Lee Bermejo's work. It's just so beautiful. Um, yeah, and I think, um, 
I'm gonna be uh, I'm, I'm I'm in I'm 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 really excited about like uh, Chris Robinson and, and company's uh, collection. They they do like a remastered version of uh, our Negro comics. It's on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. so they do like a 25th anniversary like remastered edition of the first African American collection of comics. So wow. that should be dope too. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's all happening. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot. Sounds great. That's a lot, Papa. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, you got to check out the the Megascope uh, collection here. These are. Even just looking at the, even just looking at the the website of the covers of each one, these are just like absolutely beautiful yeah. images. I mean, you know, you know, Abrams' uh, slogan is the art of books, right? They are not playing. They make beautiful books, and so we can really, I don't know. Just so people, we're just trying to garner support, libraries yeah. and teachers. You know, check them out. You know, we have a book about the Tulsa Race Massacre. We have a book uh, about you know the um, the Orishas from Brazil coming out from Chico Canudo. I mean, so you know. We're, we're, we're trying to do some really cool things with the media. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I mean, I'll be getting off this and listening to Quiet Part Loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so you're yeah. It looks awesome hot. and scary, and I love it. <laughs> no, that's yeah, I'm here for it. That's so cool. Yeah, right, check nice. that out. Thanks, John. That was All amazing. Right. Thank you so much, John. That was so great. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate you having me. This season of Pop and Play was produced by Haney Yoon, Nathan Holbert, Lalitha Vasudevan, Billy Collins, and Joe Rena Ferry, and assistant produced by Lucius Von Joe at Teachers College, Columbia University with the Digital Futures Institute. Audio editing and production by Billy Collins. For transcripts and to learn more about our guests, visit tc.edu slash popandplay. Our music is selections from Leaf Eaters by Poddington Bear. Pop and Play, of course, would not be possible without the fabulous team that helps put this together. Thanks to Oluwashon Animashon for running the Pop and Play social media accounts, where you should follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under Pop and Play Pod. You can also follow us on Twitch under Pop and Play. Special thanks to Drew Reynolds, Jen Lee, Blake Danzig, Brianne Minato, Moira McCavanaugh and Lucius Vonjo, who all helped with our outreach and our website support. Shout out to Ioana Literat for the trashies. Watch on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.